want to extend a very warm welcome to everybody this morning and uh, on behalf of Stormy Free Church and we pray that as we gather together under the word that we will know God's blessing in it. I want us to begin our service this morning singing from Psalm 34 and this is from the Scottish Psalter uh, verses 5 to 10, <clears throat> Psalm 34. They looked to him and lightened were, not shamed were their faces, this poor man cried, God heard and saved him from all his distresses. The angel of the Lord encamps, and round encompasseth all those about that do him fear, and them delivereth. O oh, taste and see that God is good, who trusts in him is blessed. Fear God is saints, none that him fear shall be with want oppressed. Verses 5 to 10 of Psalm 34. They look to him and lightened where. To him that your goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That is a blessing of being one of your people. Uh, we give thanks that you have not left us to ourselves at any point, even although there may be times along the way that we feel isolated and lonely. Help us to remember that your word assures us that you are a constant present with your people and that there is nothing that will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We give thanks, Lord, that even although there might be periods of darkness within our lives, times of severe temptation, times of severe trial, and there might be times when we feel alone and we wonder, has the Lord left us? Your word assures us that that is never the case. 
that you will never leave nor forsake. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, is your great promise. And so we pray that we might be able to rest in these great truths and be assured uh, that even although we might not feel your presence, we know that your presence is here with us. And so we ask, Lord, that you will bless us as we wait upon you and that we will hear your word afresh today. We give thanks for the word of God. It is a light to our path. It is a word to our ears directing us. You shall hear a word inclining you. The word tells us of how we will hear a word, uh, whether to turn to the right or to the left. And we give thanks, Lord, that your word is, is a wise word. It is a word of counsel. Help us, Lord, not to trust in our own, to our own uh, heart and to lean to our own understanding, because that will often be deceptive and will take us down the wrong road. We are told to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. And we're told in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And we ask, Lord, that every day we will know of your direction and your guidance and of your goodness and mercy and grace, and that we may discover the joy of the Lord being our strength. And we pray that you will feed us with your word and that it will be uh, truly that which nourishes us in the inward being, that we will find a strengthening in the depth of our soul. And so we ask, Lord, that you will be with every home and with every family. Bless us, Lord, as a town here. Bless us as an island. Bless us as a, a collection of islands. Bless us, Lord, as a land. Bless us nationally and internationally. And ask, Lord, that your word may have greater influence and greater power uh, right throughout this whole world. We long for a day when it will be the kingdom of Jesus Christ that will hold, hold sway, that people will be the greatest influence on earth will be the influence of the gospel. And uh, so often as we look out, we think that is just uh, so impossible. And sometimes we look around and we wonder what's going to happen to us. But the one thing we know is that Lord, you are in control of everything and grant us the faith to see, grant us a hope to uh, be filled with joy. Grant us, Lord, uh, that great sense of love, your love in our heart, your love shed abroad in our heart, so that we will manifest that love in our relationships one with another. Leave us not to ourselves, O Lord. We ask that you will forgive us our sin. Again, we, we bow before you individually, personally, and also collectively, and ask you, Lord, to forgive us our sin. Our sin is such a barrier between the light of the gospel, between our fellowship and communion with you. Uh, you cannot uh, bear iniquity. And we're told in your word, has the Lord's hand become short, or is ear heavy that he cannot hear? But we're told what has happened when the Lord wasn't answering the prayers of Israel long ago. And it was told that uh, your sins have separated between you and your God. And so we ask, Lord, that our sin might not cause separation. We're told in your word that if we harbor sin, if we cling to sin, that uh, you won't, won't hear us. Uh, that's what we're told, that if we, uh, if, if that if we have that sort of inward desire and sympathy to sin and delighting in that sin and playing with it and fondling that sin and giving rein to that sin, that it's going to become a barrier and a block 
uh, to our prayers. So we pray, Lord, that we might be ruthless, that we might be ready to put to death by the help of your Spirit. We give thanks, Lord, that your Spirit uh, does work unaided by us, but your Spirit also enables us uh, in the fight. And so we pray for that enabling uh, day by day. We pray, Lord, for uh, us as a nation at this particular time with the pandemic that's still on the go. We give thanks, Lord, for uh, all the progress that has been made with the vaccine and we're beginning to see that it is having an impact upon society. We pray for all those who are ill and still within our own communities who are aware of the impact and uh, we know that some uh, have, have become very ill with it and we ask, Lord, that your healing uh, uh, holding hand may be upon all, all uh, with this virus and ask, Lord, for returning health and strength and we pray for every broken heart when, you think of the, when we think of the huge numbers <coughs> that have lost their lives uh, to this COVID and all the heartbreak that surrounds that and all the added difficulties at a time like this that, because of death, where we aren't able to uh, share in the way that we used to, where we're uh, kept back, where there are barriers, where we cannot express our sorrows and sympathies maybe in the way that we used to we cannot collect together and gather together in the way that we used to and these things are very difficult for us and so we pray for all just now who are struggling in the face of the difficulties brought around by illness and bereavement by death and so we ask lord that you'll be with us be with those again within our congregation who mourn we're aware that week by week uh, we we have a we we got funerals we got deaths, and so we ask that you would be with us. And we pray for our young people. We pray for our schools, and we thank you, Lord, for our teachers and for all the great work that they do. Uh, it's been a difficult time for them as well as for uh, pupils, and we pray for our young people because this has been hard for them, uh, where they've been separated from their friends, and uh, it's it is so unnatural. Uh, for children, uh, as children, uh, it's their their norm to play together, to interact together. It's what they do, and so there's this separation, and it's it's been it's been hard for them. But we pray that uh, they will be strengthened through it, that it will be character building for them in the long term. And we ask Lord that you will bless and bless those who suffer from uh, issues within their mind and those with illnesses in their bodies. Lord, we commit them to your help and to your, to your grace and grant them help and strength. And so we pray to dry up the tears of the brokenhearted and be with us, Lord, we pray. Pray, Lord, for what goes on in Sudan. We were hearing about that at the prayer meeting. And Pastor Job, we give thanks, Lord, for him and for his, uh, the, the amazing witness of the church in Sudan. And Lord, we pray that you will grant protection and in the face of opposition and uh, real danger that the Church of Jesus Christ may grow. And we pray for that in all the areas of this world where there is opposition. Remember Muriel in Cambodia. We give thanks for her uh, great witness and work there and ask that you will bless her and encourage her in that work. And ask, Lord, now that you will be with us, that you will grant us your grace in everything. Bless our governments, uh, both in Holyrood and in Westminster. O oh Lord, that they would turn to yourself, that they would 
hear your voice. Do us good, then we pray, and take away our sin in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> right, just a wee word to, to the young folk. You know, as, as you go through life, uh, you there are times when you come to something and you say, you know, this is so good, I wish it would never stop. You may think back on your life, and I'm telling you probably just now, this is one time you'll be saying, oh, <laughs> I don't think anybody is saying, I wish this wouldn't stop with regard to the pandemic. We wanted all to hurry up and to get back to normal. <clears throat> but there are times in our lives when we've maybe been doing something that we really, really enjoy. We're having a super day, a really, really good day. And maybe as you think back over your life, you remember days like that. Maybe it was on holiday and you were doing stuff that you used to just dream about. Uh, <clears throat> maybe maybe you're on holiday and you've ended up getting to swim with dolphins. Something that it was only like a dream and it's actually happened. And you're saying to yourself, I wish today would never end. Or maybe it's a day where you won something. Maybe it's a, you won a competition. Maybe you won a medal. Uh, whether it's in sport or in singing or in art or in some, something. Uh, and you say, oh, this, this is great. And the feeling you have is so good. And you say, I wish today would never end. It might be, uh, it might have been a birthday party. It might have been, it might have been I, I don't know, there's loads of things. And I remember myself, as I look back, and so enjoying something. I would say, I wish this would go on and on and on and on. But you know, it doesn't. That's the sad thing about life, is that, yes, we have a lot of great times, but we've also got sad times. And when we have the really good times, we wish that they would go on forever and ever. There was a time when Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up into a mountain. And they went up into the mountain with Jesus, and then when they were right up away at the top of the mountain, something amazing happened. Jesus began to change. He began to shine incredibly brightly. In fact, he was so, the brightness that began to shine off him was so powerful that they couldn't really look at him. He was shining bright like the sun. And then Moses and Elijah came and they appeared with Jesus, talking to Jesus on the mountain. And there was a spirit of, not a bad spirit of heaviness, but the disciples were just, they felt, whoa, there's something powerful happening here. And they felt this kind of weight, but it was wonderful. It was so wonderful that Peter said, Lord, can we stay up here forever? That's really what Peter was saying. I don't ever want to go back down. It was so wonderful that Peter, who had a wife, there was, he had his work, he had all the different things, he had his home, everything, back down the mountain. And it was that moment was so wonderful with Jesus that he said, I never want it to end. But Jesus said, no, we cannot stay here. And we thank the Lord Jesus today that he didn't stay on the mountain because if he had, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't have the salvation. There wouldn't have been the cross and the salvation from the cross. 
But the thing is that it couldn't, even that wonderful day couldn't stop. But you know, when, when a person becomes a Christian, it's one of the most wonderful things happens. And whether it happens very quickly or whether it happens very gradually, you come to realize that you are right with God, that Jesus is your Lord, your friend, your King. And you begin to feel so good and content and realize this is what I want. I know who I am. I know what it's all about. I know where I'm going. Jesus is my friend. And sometimes at the beginning like that you say, I never want this to end. And at one, in one sense, it doesn't. The sense of belonging to Jesus doesn't. But we don't live up like that all the time. We often, and it's like a roller coaster, or in a bumpy ride sometimes as a Christian. The starting place is not the stopping place. The starting place is just a starting place of a journey. But you know what Jesus' intention is for you and for me? If we follow him and believe in him and rest in him and trust in him, is to take us home with himself. And you know, the day that we arrive home with Jesus in heaven, that is going to be the best day of our life and it will remain like that forever. Imagine living, the, imagine having the very, very best day that you've ever had. Well, multiply that by a million. And that's what glory, that's what heaven's going to be like. Where we are going to be there in the presence of Jesus and he's going to fill us with all the wonderful things that he has promised in this world. And there won't be anything to spoil it or break it or disturb it. There'll be nothing but that which is a perfect peace and joy. That's the stopping place is heaven. Starting place is here. You make sure that you've started on this journey so that you will eventually stop in heaven and you will have the most wonderful forever with the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to read God's Word now from Hebrews, and it's in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he said, As I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day uh, from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, 
and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, pushing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast of confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time. Of need. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word. And I want us uh, this morning to focus on verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. <clears throat> we often tell people to keep going. Keep on going. Come on, you've got to keep going. And uh, that is a very important principle in life. It's a good to encourage one another to keep going, particularly when things are difficult or you're, somebody's going through a hard time. It's important to say, oh, keep on, keep on keeping on. That's important. And that's a very <laughs> biblical principle because so often that's the message the Bible is giving to us. Keep on. And it's important in the Christian life. It's so important to realize that keeping going is key to our journey to heaven. Now, all through the Bible, God speaks to us about the importance, as we said, of pushing on, of not giving up. And in this chapter, the Apostle is highlighting the importance of fearing that there should be a fear attached to our Christian life, to our Christian journey. In other words, we don't just drift along to heaven. You know, some people have the idea that when you become a Christian and you just say, right, Lord, you, you, take, you take over, which is right, take over. And then from then on, you just, uh, you just kind of drift on. You live life as you always did before, but you just kind of and just drift your way to heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that that is a struggle, that we have to strive. That, that's, that's the kind of language uh, when you come to see what the Apostle is saying, indeed all the writers, that we have to work out. That's what Paul says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he says. 
And the encouragement to do that is because it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we have to work, but God is working in us at the same time as well. So the Christian faith involves probing, self-examining, striving, pressing, reaching. It's, 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 it's a life of movement, not drifting, but deliberate movement. We're going in a particular direction. So we're told here in verse 11, we're to strive to enter into that rest. As we said, we don't drift our way to heaven. Now, the apostle was writing to Christians who were struggling because these are Christians who were living in a very difficult time. And there was a lot of oppression and a lot of anger, a lot of hatred directed towards the Christians. And he was particularly writing to converted Jews. And these converted Jews were getting an incredibly hard time from Jews that hadn't been converted. Jews who were adhering to the old way, to the old law. And these Jews who were adhering to the old way and hadn't accepted that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and, and is the Son of God and is the promised Messiah and were still waiting and looking for him, these Jews were telling the converted Jews that they had it all wrong and that they, that they were missing everything. They said, you don't have a priest, you don't have a high priest. And we've got to remember that the high priest was at the very centre of religious life and indeed was at the very centre of the life of the Jew because the high priest was the one who represented them before God. And the great day of atonement, for instance, when he went into the most holy place with the blood and sprinkled it on the, on the mercy seat, the, the high priest was key to religious life. And they're saying to the converted Jews, you don't have that anymore. So you, you've, you've had it. You, you can't get to God. But the apostle is saying, oh no, in fact, it's you, the unconverted, that are wrong. Because we do have a high priest. In fact, he goes on to say, we have a great high priest. A high priest that surpasses any high priest that was ever in this world, ever in the Aaronic priesthood. We have to remember that the the whole uh, Aaronic priesthood and the whole sacrificial system and everything in it in the Old Testament was all pointed to Jesus. And it's very interesting when you go through the life in the tabernacle and the temple and all the different things there, that it was all pointing. Everything was symbolic. Everything was a type of Jesus Christ, of his life, of his work, of his death, of, of everything per, that regarding your salvation. And, of course, you remember when Jesus died on the cross and when he let out the great cry, it's finished, I've done all the work. Do you remember it tells us that the, the big the curtain in the temple that separated the holy place, nobody was allowed in there apart from the high priest once a year, that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. In other words, God tore that curtain. And that, all of a sudden, that was let open and the Lord was saying, it's over. Jesus has finished over. No need of all these things. No need now for the labor and for the altar and the showbread and the candlesticks and all these things. Jesus has done it all. 
And so we're told here, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Now, of course, when it tells us there of how that Jesus is a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, that's speaking very simply about his ascension. And you remember how he had led the disciples out and how they went up the hill and how he was parted from them. Remember how he just rose up, rose up from them, and he rose up into the heavens and went out of their sight. Remember how angels, two angels that came and they said, just as you saw, just as the Son of Man rose up like this, he's going to come back again. But as he rose up, he became the glorified Son of God. A, a, a great change, although still retaining the human nature, as our mediator, uh, he became went into he, this process, this glorification uh, took over. And so Jesus is the great high priest who is in heaven for us. And he is there interceding for us. Now, that is the most wonderful thing that we ought to always remember, that Jesus is in heaven interceding for us. And when Jesus intercedes for us, he isn't saying to the Father, See all my people down there. I know they're sinning, but you know they can't help it. And you know they're sinning isn't sometimes it isn't that bad. Or that Jesus is trying to make excuses for it. That's what we do. We, we always try to justify ourselves. Justify why we did wrong. Justify, make excuses for it. Jesus doesn't do that before the Father. At no point is he saying, the law is too rigid for them. They cannot attain to it. He isn't saying that. He's only saying one thing. It's only one thing. He is, there is a continual presenting of what he has done, of his blood. That is the only way of acceptance for us to the Father. And Jesus is saying, Father, see what I have done for them. Look upon my finished work. And of course, that's what the Father has done. And that is where that intercession is being made for us. And so, little wonder the Apostle says, our great high priest, because no earthly high priest could come within a million miles of what Jesus has done. And so it's in light of what he has done for us, and what God has done for us, and what God has in store for us, that there is this great obligation put upon us, let us hold fast our confession. Now, the moment you start on the Christian road, you make a confession. That, that, people, that's what happens. And actually, people, people see uh, the change that takes place in your life. You might not realize it. You might, you might not even know or understand what has happened. You might not be aware you might be wanting to be a Christian, but you don't think you've already arrived there. But you know, the funny thing is that people begin to notice a difference in your life, even when you haven't. And it might be a wee while down the road, you'll tell somebody that you become a Christian and say, oh, I'm not surprised, because they've, been, they've seen things, they've seen a change taking place. Now, you know the big problem that people have with the whole idea of becoming a Christian. And that might be, you might be listening today, and this is your problem. You're saying to yourself, you know, I'd like to become a Christian, but I can't, and at this particular moment, you're not. 
but you're really interested in Christianity. But the problem you have is this, and you're saying to yourself, and remember, you're saying this without Jesus Christ as King and Lord within your life. You're saying to yourself, I could never keep it up. I don't know. It's all very well. There are days when I have an interest in the Bible and I'm really keen for these things. But a lot of the time I don't even think about it. But then all of a sudden something comes back and makes me say, you know, I really want to be a Christian. I, it would be, it'd be so, so hard. Because I can't see myself just living my life that way all the time. Well, that's a problem. If that's what being a Christian was, just trying your best to live in a certain way. Do you know this? That would be a nightmare. It would be so difficult. But you see, what happens is, when you ask the Lord to come into your life, when you ask the Lord to come in, and the Lord comes in, then he changes you. So that these things which you looked on as impossible, they become normal. This is the way you become. The Lord gives you a new heart, a new desires, new inclinations, new appetites. So that, yes, the old is still there, poor, it's still there, it's banging away, it's still fighting away, it's still trying to raise its head. But the new has taken over. So it's not just all your own effort into it. Yes, we work, but we are given the inclination, the desire to go in the direction of the Lord. So you, you've got to realize that, that the Lord changes your heart. You don't change your heart. It's the Lord who changes your heart. And the great thing is that when you start following the Lord, you make a confession. A confession is made. A profession is made. People, as I said, people see the change. Your speech changes. Your attitudes change. The way you live your life changes. Oh yes, sometimes some of the old will rise up again and display itself. And that hurts you. But there is there's a new way about you. And eventually, gradually, you will come to see that is working there away within your life as well. But your mouth will make a confession, and that's important, because we're told in the Bible that with the heart we believe, but with the mouth we make confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's a very important thing to do, to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when you say that Jesus Christ is Lord, you mean Lord of your life. And when he is Lord of your life, that means that he has a rule and that he is in charge of your life, that you're willing to submit under his authority and under his rule. So it's actually very important to make this confession. And indeed, that's one of the things that happens when a person uh, applies for membership, wants to become, to go to the Lord's table, to become a member in the church. They have to make this confession. A lot of people think this is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And in some ways it is. Because you're really nailing your courage to the mass. But it's important because one of the things that you do, or the main thing that you do when you come to the kirk session, before you become a member, is you confess. And you're just saying, yes, Jesus is my Lord. We are to confess before people that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, 
your Christian uh, confession is a life by word and by action that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're told here that we're to hold fast. That's what it says. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast uh, our confession. Now, as I said, the Apostle is writing to people who are really suffering for being Christians. And they've lost land, they've lost possessions, they've lost rights, they've lost their estate, their families have been broken up, and sometimes people killed. It's been a tough time. And there'll be a real, uh, I suppose, temptation to, to go back. And people say, oh, this is too dangerous, I'm going back. Or to compromise. And the apostles say, no, it's not worth it. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep this confession. You've got to keep, you made a confession, keep it. And so this is what he says, we're to hold fast. And we wouldn't be told to hold fast if this was something that was dead easy. So when we're told to hold fast, it implies two or three things. It implies, first of all, difficulty. And as we said, no, no Christian ever just breathes their way to heaven. There are a lot of difficulties to, to confront, a lot, of, a lot of problems along the way. There's a, Satan will do everything to spoil and to mar your journey. There, he will put every obstacle in the way. He will do everything that he can to hinder your progress. And that's difficult because you've got to remember that once you become a Christian, you begin to live in enemy territory. You're living in a world that is opposed to Jesus Christ. And if you're living in enemy territory, don't expect for one moment life to be plain sailing. It isn't. No Christian will ever say, you know this, my life was a piece of cake. It never is. So that's one of the reasons we have to hold fast. Another is, when we're told to hold fast, means that we have to put all your strength, all your energy into something. And that's, that's how it is in the Christian life as well. It's, it is something that will consume us. It will take our all. And that's why the Bible is always talking about us walking and running and wrestling and fighting and pressing and striving. They're all activities of motion and energy. And that's what it is. And as Christians... It requires our all. But again, when we're told to hold fast, another thing it says, if you're to hold something fast, if somebody gave you something and said, right, hold that fast, or, excuse me, it would give the impression that this was something very precious. And if you were given something very, very precious to hold, that's exactly what you would do. You would hold it really tight. You'd be holding it fast. And you'd be concentrating, afraid you would drop it or smash it or break it in any way. So you'd be holding tight. But remember, what you have been given, the gift that you have been given by God, this gift of salvation, is the most precious gift that this world has ever known or seen. And that's really where the apostle is saying, hold that tight, hold that fast. 
Now, of course, we are told that no one can ultimately take our crown from us. But we, as we said before, we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The Apostle Paul, he was saying that I might know him and the power of his, uh, his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He goes on to say that, he were, that I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and pressing to it, not drifting, not wandering, not slouching, not just meandering along. I'm pressing. There's, I'm focused on that. I, that that's, that's where I'm going. Sometimes you see in the games, like say for instance the Olympic Games, and supposing in the 100 metres, and uh, quite often in the action replay, to, to begin with the first at the race, you'll see it side on. But often then the camera, when they, you see it afterwards, there's different angles, and it's facing straight on. And have you ever seen in under 10 seconds concentration like that? I can't imagine where else. There's just, you think their eyes haven't blinked. There's just utter and absolute focus and determination in that run. Every aspect of their being is caught up in what they're doing. That's kind of what the Apostle is, is saying, that he is pressing toward the mark. And so, as I said, we have to treasure and nourish what has been given to us here. And we do so, we hold fast by the obvious things, by prayer, by praise, by the word. It's important that we feed upon the word and that we're built up in the word. We have to be daily in this. This is, this is, this is the only way that we can hold fast is by depending entirely upon the Lord. And we do so that by reading his word, making the word part of our life. When we feed upon the word, it gives us strength. It nourishes us. It enables us to keep going. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll, uh, you'll come and meet Christians and you'll say, they'll say, oh, you know, I'm really struggling. I feel like giving up. And you know, the Bible, they're, they're not really reading their Bibles, they're not meditating. Of course you're going to struggle. Because it's food, it's nourishment. The Word of God is a nourishment which gives you spiritual vitality and spiritual strength. You won't make any progress if you're not in the Word. It's vital, it's key. And so is prayer communicating to the Lord. That He communicates to us through His Word. We communicate to Him by prayer and praise. But the key is this, we're not on our own. If we were on our own, if we were trying to make, keep this confession on our own and make progress on our own, you know, this, we wouldn't make a step. We wouldn't take one step. We are going in the strength of God the Lord. Not, not in our own strength, but absolutely and altogether in his strength. All our enemies are far stronger than we are. But he is stronger, the Lord, than all the enemies put together. And that is the wonderful thing. Greater is he that is in you than he that is within the world. You can have all the world together and all the forces of hell together and they cannot destroy 
what God has begun when he has begun a good work. And if you're following the Lord today, he's begun a good work in you. If you're not following the Lord, ask him today to begin that good work in you. And you know, when you take that first step by faith, he'll keep on and keep on and keep on by holding fast, looking to the Lord. Remember how it tells us elsewhere in Hebrews that we are to run this race looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us pray. Lord our God, we pray to bless us. We give thanks for your word. May it be a source of strength and comfort to us. May you encourage us in our walk and in our battle. Take away from us our sin. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We're going to sing from Sing Psalms in Psalm number 80. And we're going to sing verses 17 to 19 to the end of the psalm. And of course, this is a psalm about not going back. With these verses, so that we don't wander or turn back from the Lord. Let your hand be placed in blessing on the man at your right hand, on the Son of Man you've chosen, whom alone you caused us to stand. Then we will not wander from you, turning from you to our shame. Strengthen us, revive and heal us, then we'll call upon your name. Look on us, Lord God Almighty. Let us see your glory bright. Turn us once again toward you. Come and save us. Give us light. And sing these verses of Psalm 80 from Sing Psalms, from verses 17 to 19. Oh, let thy hand be of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you very much for <clears throat> joining with us today and we pray that the Lord will go with us and that he will bless his word to us. And do uh, turn, tune in again tonight at half past six for the evening service which will be conducted by Reverend James McKeever. <clears throat>